lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Welcome. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. That's me. Even wore my name tag today. Todd Erzin is here as well as Aaron McIntyre. You can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us, uh, like Steve Dace on Facebook, MeWe Parlor, and Gab. Uh, follow at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Go to Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, that's where you can get clips of the show that are both free to watch and free of censorship at Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. You know, with inflation surpassing highs, we have not seen in 40 years the value of the dollar decreasing as well with each passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store for cars, for housing. This sounds like a good time, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, face it. Paper money is becoming worth less and less. Friends, the timing couldn't be any better to sign up with our new partners at Bullion Max. Uh, they are a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Also, security for your family in a time of crisis. That's why you're going to love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metals space. Offer some of the lowest prices you're going to find anywhere. I want to help you guys to get started, so we've got a special offer just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing uh, right now. If you go to Bullion, B-U-I-L-L-I-O-N, bullionmax.com slash Steve. That's bullionmax.com slash Steve. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products out there to invest in right now, including the Silver American Eagle and a Silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household. So get yours now at bullionmax.com slash Steve. Coming up on today's program at the bottom of the hour, independent journalist Ivory Hecker will join us. Uh, She recently took a trip to the southern border. Let's find out what she saw. She will tell us here uh, coming up at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, we will continue our series on cutting yourself, otherwise known as the Theology Thursday. This was one of the best, worst ideas I've ever had, man. I have to tell you, I have the last couple times we've come in here now. I'm like, I I think I got to cut this thing loose. I don't think we can finish this. I mean, this Scott Atlas book, man. Because for me, it's a second go around. I've already read it all the way through. And it's it's a brutal read. It, it is, it's just, and because it's, it's, it's too much truth, man, even for me. Even I am like, I, I mean, anybody got any pumpkin spice or something, man, while I'm going through this again? <laughs> I, I brought the okay. book with me yesterday to my youngest daughter's event that I had to take her to. And I cracked it open and I looked how long this chapter was. And the place I'm at is on a second floor and it overlooks the, I looked over that edge and, and you just and thought, thought, how far about, down is yeah, that? Yeah. I thought, let's, let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we're there, imagine where the audience is, right? Mm-hmm. However, it is snowing outside today in Iowa on March the 24th. Therefore, the forecast for the top of next hour, pain. Uh, we will continue. All I see is black. That's right. Cartman once. Yes, yes. We will continue uh, trudging through to the bitter end after the bitter beginning and the bitter middle. 
We will get to the bitter end of Scott Atlas's book uh, as we continue our Theology Thursday series on his uh, Plague Upon Our House, um, which is really a how-to manual on how not to confront and defeat the spirit of the age. Do none of these things. None of them. Okay. So we'll continue that for Theology Thursday. And then hopefully Aaron's got some form of... This week I actually did. I okay. started I started working on this on Monday. Really? Yeah. I hope they're somewhat affirming they're and optimistic. Bad. Oh, yeah, great. That's bad. good. Okay. So, so remember th- yesterday he just, he actually spent time making up strings of made up numbers of <laughs> yes, letters. So, yes, yes, that's true. That That is true. Uh, and if you follow Aaron home, you'll see, you know, he's got a desk and he, if you open it up, there's a bunch of type or handwritten pages that they all, all say, work no all play. work and no play yeah. makes Aaron a dull boy. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, what does Aaron do in his spare time? Which you're about to see now. Uh, we begin as always with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Green Mountain State, a model for the country. The Lancet recently published their best guess infection fatality ratio state by state pre-COVID jab. This is what they came up with as of January 1st, 2021. Again, this is before the jab, after the lockdowns. The top five states with the lowest IFR were Alaska, Nebraska, and Utah at a little over 0.2%. Wisconsin and Hawaii rounded up the top five at 0.25%. The five worst states were Massachusetts at 0.65%, Delaware at 0.66%, Virginia at a hair below 0.68%, West Virginia at 0.76%, and Vermont at 1.18%. Speaking of Vermont, here's a headline from ABC News, September 17th, 2020. How Vermont became a model for the country in responding to the coronavirus pandemic. Here's what Anthony Fauci had to say about Vermont on September 15th, 2020. That's the reason why, as I was mentioning to Governor Scott a few minutes ago, that this should be the model for the country of how you've done it. Notwithstanding that you're a small state, but it should be the model of how you get to such a low test positivity that you can actually start opening up the economy in a safe and prudent way. Yes, Vermont, after its lockdowns and mandatory masking, had the worst infection fatality ratio in the country by far at 1.18% prior to the COVID jabs. The Lancet says the overall IFR for COVID as of January 1st, 2021 was 0.432%. Moving on, a new poll from Ann Seltzer, one of the best pollsters in the country, finds Joe Biden's approval rating underwater by 18 points nationwide with just 35 4% approving of the job he's doing. Amongst Democrats, he's at a 70% approval rating. He's underwater by 23 with men, 12 with all women. Underwater with those under the age of 35 by 14 points. Those over 65 years of age by 13 points. Barely above water with non-white voters and has a plus 21 approval rating amongst suburban women. The confirmation hearings for SCOTUS nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson continued yesterday. Here's Senator John Kennedy. When uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. (laughs) Ma'am? 
I don't know. The home improvement retail giant, the Home Depot, is backtracking after some of its woke HR material was leaked online. The one-page paper published by Libs of TikTok and others is titled Leading Practices, Unpacking Privilege. And it's all about shaming white privilege, class privilege, Christian privilege, cisgender privilege, hetero privilege, and other crap. The materials were apparently on display in some lunchrooms in Home Depot locations around the country. And finally, we go to Denton, Texas, where this happened. And yes, it's another troll of another city council. In 2015, Bernie Sanders woke me up. My openly gay six-year-old transgender nephew wanted something different than most kids for his birthday. He wanted the COVID-19 vaccine for the greater good of humanity. Because unlike the racist Republicans, he wanted to protect our democracy and take on his social responsibility to do his part for the greater good. He is now gone from this world. He recently had a heart attack. But the doctors say they don't know what caused it. But I know what caused it. It was a... Stress from the Donald Trump supporters. Now, you might recognize this man as one of the most evil men, if not the most evil man in history is what you call him. But I have somebody who is much worse. His name is Donald J. Trump. Now, let me tell you why Donald Trump is worse than Adolf Hitler. Number one, Donald Trump hurts my feelings and Hitler does not. Number two, Hitler at least put people in quarantine camps and made them wear masks while Donald Trump continues to spew out Russian disinformation. Third, Hitler had the decency and kindness to kill himself. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is still alive. At least Hitler had the decency to leave us alone. Trump, on the other hand, refuses to kill himself and makes him significantly worse. If we had a nuclear war, it would be worth it if it could just save my life. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> oh gosh, that. Who was that guy? I need to look up his name. That's but, phenomenal. Yeah. First of all, how did he do that with a straight face? Yeah. How did he not lose it one time? Okay. I mean, the crying, everything. Man, I just went through a casting process for a movie. That's about the best demo I saw right there. Okay. I mean, that that was incredible. And that's kind of what uh, that is. It's Alex Stein is the guy's name in mm-hmm. Texas that does yep. has done that a couple times to his city council now. Yeah, you know what? I, I officially endorsed. As many opportunities as you can to go right to the belly of the metrosexual beast right there, all right, with those demonic minions with T-levels at about four, okay, and just laugh and mock them right to their faces, um, we, we endorse on this show. In fact, I don't even have to ask for a vote, all right? 
absolutely that level of mockery and scorn, we strongly endorse to have that being perpetuated, particularly by the men. In fact, here's what we're going to do. We're only going to endorse it from the men. Not that we don't appreciate mockery and scorn from women. We've seen enough the last couple of years, have we not? Of women stepping up and having their voices heard. Have we not? I think I think the, I think the women have more than answered the call where that's concerned. Sure. Time now for the men. Okay. Plus, I want to see who's got some real talent out there. So there's that too. Okay. Uh, Aaron's montage uh, brought to you. If we can have a nuclear war, if we save just save one life. My gay six-year-old transgendered son died of a heart attack after getting the jab. The doctors don't know what happened. No, I've got another hour and 48 minutes to do, man. I, I'm going to, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can move on. All right. That's just freaking classic. Uh, where to go? Uh, you know, uh, it, more and more as we learn that Home Depot story and Aaron's montage, let he who has not, while working for a Fortune 500 company, inadvertently and falsely disseminated white privilege propaganda to the masses of employees, cast the first stone. Who hasn't done that, Todd? Who hasn't? Sometimes you listen. Sometimes you photocopy your ass, right? And then sometimes you just run too many copies of the white privilege propaganda and just happen to hand it out to everybody. I mean, I, dude, it happens. I'm not even going to make it to the Scott Atlas segment today. <laughs> so um, that's just yet another reminder when there is an opportunity for us to do business with companies who are not literally trying to kill us in our way of life, take full advantage of it. Thankfully, one place we all can, because there's not a lot of places these days that we can, frankly. Uh, one place, though, that we all can is with our mobile phones, because pretty much we all have to have one to thrive in modern America. Switch your service to our friends, therefore, at Patriot Mobile. They not only don't hate you, they share the same values as you. All right. And they'll give you the pretty much the same coverage that you're getting from whatever America hater company that you're, you're utilizing right now. Uh, we made the switch last fall. We put it off for many, many moons. Just thought it would be a huge hassle. Finally bit the bullet. And lo and behold, their uh, fully American customer service team did a phenomenal job switching us over. We even upgraded a couple phones. They'll customize a plan for you. We have all the same coverage we were accustomed to for the last 20 years working with T-Mobile. And if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know they've got extra savings for you as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else, they've got deals going all the time right now. If you use my name, Steve, as your promo code, you'll get a free activation when you make the switch at patriotmobile.com slash Steve, promo code Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. We have uh, less than an hour right now in a poll, a snap poll that I'm doing on my Twitter page right this moment. And we're going to do the overtime on this topic right after the show today. We will tape it at blazetv.com slash Dace. If you want to vote in this Twitter poll, you can right now at Steve Dace Show is where you can go on Twitter to vote. The question we're asking, snap poll, who do you think your neighbor would prefer to see the CB, the Republican nominee for president in 2024? And we have four choices up there. Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Donald Trump. We put him up there in alphabetical order we will discuss why i framed the question that way why we added a couple more names 
And then what the vote in the Twitter poll happens to be, we'll get into that today. In the overtime, again, we'll tape that right after today's live program at blazetv.com slash days. That's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber right now at blazetv.com slash days. And you can still vote in this poll for about the next 44 minutes at Steve Day Show on Twitter. To the montage we go, and I can't think of anything more on brand after the last couple of years than probably the best public pollster in America, according to the data I keep, and Seltzer from Bloomberg, showing that Joe Biden is under and like way underwater, like drowning, okay? Drowning. Plus one with non-whites is underwater. Yes, that is underwater for a Democrat. Absolutely, that's a drowning number. You bet it is, okay? He's drowning with every key swing demographic in this country except, wait for it, mask for it, comply for it, Beth Moore for it, Oh, yes. Jab for it, transgender for it. Yes, the suburban women. Yes, make sure you go up today, shake the hand of a suburban white woman, thank them for the credit that they deserve. The, the, give credit where it is due. Give the props where it is due. For the carnage that has been unleashed by the Biden presidency, they were the demographic that delivered this. Well, the votes that were legitimately counted anyway. They were the demographic that delivered this uh, to uh, Mr. Dementia in 2020. They're the only demographic still holding on. Now, we're going to discuss this more in depth tomorrow. This is one of the topics we have for the day group. And I, I specifically selected a week that it's just all men. Because, I, frankly, we got to just talk about our women here. Something just needs to be done. All right. And you can save me your emails. I'm a suburban woman and I don't believe in this. Then you shouldn't be offended. Right. Like if you found out a bunch of guys named Steve were horrible, terrible people, but none of them were me, Steve, would I feel offended that a bunch of other Steves are terrible? I would not care because it's not me, Steve. All right. But if you have lived at least three minutes in an American suburb, you know this is true. If you have lived at least three minutes in an American suburb in the last few years, you know that this is true. So for now, I'm just going to let Allie Stuckey, I'm going to woman-splain this for us, our Blaze TV colleague. She put up a thread on Twitter uh, last night in response to this poll. And she listed her top reasons why suburban women, and she knows even more about it than us, that's her primary audience for her pod, right? Why suburban women are the only key swing group left in America Joe Biden is not underwater with. Here were her reasons. Number one, they stopped paying attention after Trump lost. They were told things would go back to normal after he left, and they think that's true because they no longer watch the news. Willful ignorance. Comforting. Number two, their only connection to current events is Glennon Doyle's Instagram page. I don't have Instagram. I don't know what a Glennon Doyle is. Aaron, do you? No. That's another problem. Number three, uh, they are afraid of being called a Karen, to which they will just continue to fulfill said label. Brilliant. Number four, they were successfully shamed after the black square nightmare of 2020. I love that she called it that, by the way. How great of a name is, you know, she looks, she just looks, she's just so pleasant and positive 
of a of of a looking and sounding young woman, right? Okay. And then she drops Black Squared Nightmare in her Twitter feed. I, That's freaking great. I even okay? forgot about Allie. I mean, ever since she's become a mom, she seems There has like been a more of a bit of a serrated edge. But you remember yeah. that faux, like, Stephen Crowder-esque thing she did when she yeah. interviewed uh, yeah. Ocasio-Cortez? Yeah. I mean, that was outstanding work. Yes. They were successfully shamed after the Black Square nightmare of 2020 into believing voting Dem is anti-racist. Number five, Joe Biden reminds them of their aging father-in-law yes. who has a special place in their heart. What a, I can't think of a better reason to vote for somebody than that. Number six, inflation hasn't seriously impacted their lifestyle yet at all. Uh, number seven, all their favorite pastors, podcasters, etc. have convinced them that being actually pro-life, actually pro-life, has nothing to do with abortion and everything to do with allowing illegal immigration and supporting chemical castration for children. Which of those reasons do you find the most comforting? I'll answer. None. Uh, so we will move on and discuss it more tomorrow because I want to highlight this data. This data is from The Lancet. Now, if you don't know what The Lancet is, we've cited it a couple of times. Sometimes, um, not glowingly. Remember, The Lancet was the journal that came out with the hydroxychloroquine study in 2020 that showed that it didn't work. Do you guys remember what yeah. the outcome of that study was? Do you remember? They had to retract it because the entire thing was a fraud. Even even scientists who don't believe in hydroxychloroquine came forward to say, uh, uh, this is a terrible study. Translation, this propaganda is so bad, we can't even support it. So please memory hole it now. Okay. So this is, I think it's Bill Gates's publication, isn't it? I, and, and I think it's tied. He's involved with it. And yeah. I think he, it's tied to Imperial College as well, I believe. But this is this is basically the Spirit of the Ages official science journal. Fair. Yeah, okay. one of them. <laughs> one of them. So yeah. many to choose from. Indeed, it's a Hydra. You're right. Okay, but this is this is one of the main faces. I think we can say that. Yes. These are their estimates of infection fatality rates. All right? To lethality rates, meaning the percentage of people who perished from COVID compared to the amount of actual infections. All right. Differentiated from confirmed cases. Confirmed cases, because this counts asymptomatic people that had it and then get tested and uh, and then had been then did an antibody test later on and found out that they had it but never knew. Okay, um, or didn't think the their sickness was terrible enough to get it tested, etc. Or a test came back and told them it was negative and it turned out later on that they had it. Okay, all this is every infection that they thought that they could find. Cases just means there's a there's a chart with your name on it that there's a case that, that you are a you are a COVID case in your medical chart. That's what it means. Infection means that you've had the virus. There's a couple of things. Number one, look overall at how low these numbers are. They look very similar to the numbers that Anthony Fauci was talking about in the New England Journal of Medicine in, in February of 2020 before he decided to go full panic porn pimp. Very similar to John Ioannidi's analysis of the Diamond Princess back in March of 2020. You mentioned his analysis of the Stanford serology there. And uh, others. And yeah. others that mm -hmm. were done in the spring of 2020. And here, keep this in mind, this is all pre-jab. Here's what it also means then. That the fight to actually offer people effective early treatments, it's all pre-that too. We weren't talking about Z-Stack and Ivermectin studies on this show in January of 2021, and, and we weren't talking about that stuff most of the time in 2020. 
So this is when the worst of it should have occurred. There's both not a poison, ah, vaccine being offered. Todd's going to shed a single tear right right now. I did no. that for you. I knew you needed to pick me up, brother. I, I, I looked over at you and I thought, I got to do my boy a solid right there. So I, I got you. I know. All right. I got you. All right. So we're, we're denying people a non-vaccine. Uh, and then we're denying them all kinds of early treatments. Remember, there was no official treatment listed by our CDC until late fall of 2020. With by Regeneron, design. by design, absolutely. With Regeneron and Rendemsevir, okay? So this is when these numbers should have been the absolute worst. The worst! A couple things I want to point out. Alaska, Nebraska, Utah, these are states that have populations that, can, that are spread out. A couple of sectors that are densely populated, but are not among the most densely populated states in the country. Not surprising they did well. Wisconsin did had the fourth lowest IFR. Wisconsin was the first state to completely reopen because of court decree. Wisconsin is where you had the primary that 400,000 people yeah. had to come out and vote in person for as well during lockdowns. And there it is, guys. Smoldering pile Smoldering of pile of ash <laughs> with, the, with the fourth lowest infection fatality rate. How you like them apples? Hawaii, another state state that you can socially distance. Iowa, very similar demographics to Nebraska, similar with a Minnesota, Idaho, Wyoming. Okay. Montana's another one, right? And then look at what number 11 is. Smoldering pile of ash. Yes. One of the most densely populated states in this country. One of the most populated states in the country. One of the largest populations of elderly in the country. The state of Death, Death, Death Santis, by far way outperforming any other large population state in the union with infection fatality rate. One of the most, remember, pretty much any public event in America was held in Florida. If we had any in 2020, mm-hmm. Super Bowls, play, you know, everything was being held in Florida because it was the only large state that was fully open and willing to host it. Think of the amount of people that traveled there. Florida set an all-time record the last two years with tourism and migration. And yet, and yet, here is Governor DeSantis, who, has de- who after initially putting his foot in the water, then determined, I'm calling BS, and did so as aggressively as any governor in the country, particularly in a large state. And look at what his infection fatality rate is with one of the highest concentrations of elderly in America. Look at that. Outpacing Mike DeWine. I do sonnets on Twitter to COVID. Doing better than Ohio. Outpacing states that, again, South Dakota, Kansas. Illinois is basically like three cities and then the rest of it is Alabama. There's Georgia at 25. Remember when Georgia and Iowa were the first two states to reopen by gubernatorial decree. Remember when the Atlantic said that Georgia was conducting an experiment in human sacrifice. Remember that? Yes, indeed. And yet there they are with a the, the 25th best IFR, Washington, D.C., which had one of the most ridiculous lockdowns and masks mandates 
of anywhere in the country, 39th. The truth always comes out. And there, as Aaron pointed out in his montage, Vermont. I had several lefty blue check marks came at me during this time period on Twitter to point out Vermont is the state showing that lockdowns and these things work. And look at where they are. By far the worst IFR in the country. In fact, I'm going to do some quick math here on how much worse they were than everybody else. So was so was West Virginia is at point seven six three. Yep. Point seven six three, and Vermont is at what? One point one eight seven. One eight seven. Okay. Vermont fifty five percent worse than West Virginia, the second to worst state, and Vermont was fifty five percent worse. What's Florida? Remind me again. What's point Florida? Three three eight. Point three three eight. Vermont, 252% worse. 252% worse than Ron DeSantis' is Florida. What's Georgia's? Remind me again. Trying to find it here. It's 25th. 0.453. 0.453. 162% worse than Georgia's. Experiment in human sacrifice. And there's Iowa at point, what is it, 259? Mm-hmm. 0.259. 358% worse than Iowa, our home state, which was the first to host out-of-state high school and other kinds of meets and sporting events. The data doesn't lie, which is why all they have done is lie about the data. More in a moment. Boy, if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that you cannot trust public health experts. Sadly, you can't trust your own doctors too often because that's where they're getting their information. Uh, And that ground is poisoned. It's bad. Uh, That's why as much as you can find information, I mean, there's some things that are beyond our expertise, right? We can't do open heart surgery on one another. Okay. Um, So, um, but if there are things from a preventative health standpoint that we can do, Uh, In order uh, to take more uh, responsibility for our health, take full advantage of it, like with our friends over at ZStack, it is formulated to combat any and all additional variants from COVID that they may unleash um, uh, that uh, may come about. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, different uh, flu variants as well. The the quercetin, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, we've been talking about on this show for how many months now, particularly the vitamin D. If you go look at over 80% of the people hospitalized with COVID in America, vitamin D deficient, that links right up with the morbid obesity issue because uh, vitamin D is fat soluble, which makes it harder for people who are uh, fatter uh, to properly get the right amount of absorption for it or activity in front of the sun on a natural level. Anyway, now these things are all in one compound. All right, get them all in one compound from Dr. Zelenko when you go to zstacklife.com slash dace and use the promo code dace zstack, Z is in zebra, zstacklife.com slash dace 
promo code DACE. And if you use that promo code for your first order, they'll give you a discount at zstacklife.com slash DACE. Well, you might remember Ivory Hecker. She was the reporter in Houston, Texas, who decided uh, she she went full network. She wasn't going to tolerate this any longer uh, and started telling the truth on the air. And for that, of course, um, she got uh, dismissed. She then decided to break out on her own as an independent journalist. We told her story when she started that last year. I've been following her work ever since. She's done some really impressive stuff, including a recent trip to the southern border that we want to discuss with her. And she joins us now. Ivory, it is good to have you back with us. How you been? I've been great. So good to see you, Steve. So how's the how's the endeavor gone so far? Being out on your own as an entrepreneur, how do you, how how are you liking it? How's it going? It's going so great. I mean, it's definitely a handful to you know to run your own news operation and question whether you're doing everything right, especially the behind the scenes stuff of trying to run a business. But it's been so wonderful to you know, not, not have to be accountable to anyone, but my viewers. So, uh, I've really enjoyed it and, and it's definitely something that you can do. I really want to let other independent, uh, other corporate news people know that you can do this and have a living. Are you struggling with getting around censorship and models? Because a lot of those RSS feeds and and um, aggregators are still how a lot of our people access our content. So are you struggling to get around some of that stuff? Because those things don't want you to tell people the truth. Well, you know, I started YouTubing the news shortly after I left Fox. And I I almost got obliterated from YouTube because I, I wasn't aware when I left Fox just how expansive the social media censorship was. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly had to learn which words and topics YouTube dislikes. And then I simply created code words and was able to speak about those topics freely on YouTube through code words. And I haven't had an issue since. So fingers crossed. But, you know, I know some of these topics, even on Instagram and things, you just have to, you know, come come up with another term for it. That's clever. All right. I mean, we've done that throughout history, come up with code words and uh, ancillary languages to get beyond uh, state uh, censorship. So let's let's go to the southern border, which the current administration has forgotten exists. Um, Other than the obvious, why did you choose to go make a trip down there recently? And who did you who did you visit with? Well, I, uh, I've been hearing from my viewers, uh, they, they would keep reaching out and saying, Ivory, what's going on with the border? Can you shed more light on it? And so I, I kept an eye out uh, for an opportunity when I could go down there. And, you know, I am told it's very dangerous with the cartels and stuff. So you need security. Well, I had a friend who was down there for work and sent me pictures of uh, one of the hotel parking lots completely full of game warden vehicles from the Texas, uh, Texas state game wardens. And she said her hotel down there looked more like a military base with all these guys walking around with guns. And, uh, they told her that they were there to help secure the border because border patrol can't do it alone. So governor Abbott has dispatched not only, uh, Texas national guard and the state police, but the, game wardens now and i was like wow a whole parking lot 
uh, you know, a whole hotel booked up with these guys. Let me get down there and figure out what's going on. Well, at the same time, I got invited to shadow a um, a, a uh, militia group, uh, the Patriots for America Militia. Uh, so that was perfect because they are they they're collaborating and assisting with securing the border as well. So I was able to shadow them down on the border and they ended up being my security. Um, if so many guys with guns, um, I was able to safely cover the border and really get access right down there. So, of course, uh, being around that militia group, you watch them just indiscriminately killing people while screaming out uh, racial and xenophobic expletives uh, into the air every bit as fast as they were entering their payloads uh, in full fulfillment of the last two Purge movies, correct? That's what you saw down there? (laughs) That's what you might think, right, if you watched MSNBC. But no, actually, it was interesting. You know, the guys did have these AK-47s and stuff, and I was like, what's this for? And, And they said you know there's a lot of cartel activity just to to be safe but they they said that actually when it comes to migrants i was like what do you do when you encounter a migrant and they said well we we just you know we meet them make sure they are okay that they that their health is okay and then we get we call up either the local law enforcement or the border patrol and then connect the migrant with the border patrol and go on from there. And the guy finished by saying, we just try to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so they'll, they'll make sure that the migrant doesn't need medical attention and all these things. Isn't being trafficked. Exactly. Yeah. They look out for people who may have been trafficked. So. All right. So what, what, what preconceptions did you have before this trip? And then how did the reality of what you saw alter or affect that? Well, I had already been down on the border previously in October of last year, uh, covering what I could find out at that time. And at that time, I was witnessing these big school buses painted white that were picking up migrants on the border and driving them to Catholic charities. And then I was seeing migrants leave Catholic charities with manila envelopes, jumping in a taxi. And I looked at the manila envelope of one of, I stopped the migrant before he jumped in the taxi and said, what's this? Well, it had his flight route, uh, his uh, uh, itinerary for his flight into the interior of the United States. I think he, he was going to, uh, Maryland, I think. Uh, and so I, I was just like, oh, that's interesting. And then it had a note that Catholic charities for, had written for him saying that he doesn't speak English if anyone in the airport can ha- help direct him. Uh, so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I looked up the funding for Catholic charities. Federal government is funding Catholic charities. And I was like, oh, so this is like a federal system of trafficking people in. Like the federal government is using Border Patrol and Catholic Charities to bring these people further into the U.S. So then, so that that's the preconception I had when I came on this trip from my trip in October was that, okay, so Border Patrol is just yes men who are doing what Biden admin uh, Alejandro Mayorkas wants, 
and just taking these migrants and bringing them in. And so I went out there to find out more. And I mean, when we rolled up to, we, we went to Maverick County, which is a more west western part of Texas. And uh, we rolled up at a boat ramp in Eagle Pass on the Rio Grande River, where you can see Mexico on the other side. And as soon as we parked the truck, we immediately saw migrants in the Rio Grande swimming across. Mm. So I just started rolling with my camera and filmed these people coming up on shore. And they said that they were from uh, Cuba and that they had spent a month traveling from Cuba to Mexico where you can walk into the U.S. So, um, I, uh, so uh, sure enough, the militia asked if the guys were okay. And it must have been the militia who called up Border Patrol and said, hey, uh, there's some migrants here. A few minutes later, Border, Border Patrol comes up. And this man was uh, a very laid back Border Patrol officer who immediately began handing out plastic bags for the migrants to keep their wet clothes in. And the migrants handed over their ID to him and he... Uh, brought them into his van and took them off to the station. I tried to ask what happens next. How do you decide whether these migrants crossed legally, which they didn't, and and whether they go back or whether they stay. And Border Patrol won't won't answer the question on how exactly it's determined that they get that flight ticket further into the U.S. and how it's determined that they go back. But militia told me since these people were from Cuba, given given the oppressive regime over there, it's almost certain that those migrants would re, would end up remaining in the U.S. Now there was a there was an overpass, a highway overpass, within a couple hundred yards from us, uh, that which was the official route into the U.S. where where you would actually go through customs and do it legally. So it was clear that the, these migrants were swimming across the, the river quite intentionally to, to break immigration law because there's a highway right there where you're supposed to be going through. Mm. And, uh, and so uh, within minutes, there was another group ready to cross the river. And we, we just kept seeing these groups cross the river. At that, that's just one little spot at the boat ramp. But there's all these little groups of people all along the river it was just a few hundred yards down that while we were watching one group, we heard shouting in the distance. It was another group swimming across in that location. And uh, Texas National Guard was chasing after these people because uh, a couple of them went off sprinting and climbed a fence and escaped into Texas ranch land while we were there. So it, it, would, it was just a nonstop thing. And the militia told me this is how it is every single night. Wow. And then, and in the daytime as well, of this constant stream of small groups of people coming across. I've got about two minutes, Ivory. What are the biggest takeaways that our audience around the country needs to know from what you saw and experienced firsthand down there? Well, the biggest takeaway still seems to be that the Border Patrol is is yes men that are that are taking the orders of Biden's Alejandro Mayorkas 
of, of trafficking a lot of these people in who, who cross illegally. And the more that the people cross illegally and get coddled and handed a plane ticket, the more it encourages more people to come across illegally. Um, it's the word gets out to people in more of these uh, locations in Central and South America. And they and, and that's why we've seen such a huge growth of, of migration across the border illegally, more than two million uh, illegal border encounters recorded by Border Patrol just in the past year, which is dramatic climb. And that's only going to increase the more we see Border Patrol helping these people across, which ends up putting a lot of lives at risk. While I was there, two four-year-olds drowned, according to Border <sighs> Patrol, when they, they were got swept, swept away in the rip current in the Rio Grande. Uh, and so it's, I understand that a lot of these people are just trying to find a better, better life, but they get put at great risk. Not only can they drown, but other people do end up getting trafficked into uh, sex slavery, according to Texas DPS, they told they told me a lot of these these young women get promised uh, a new life in America, and then when they uh, get to the border, cartel tells them that the woman didn't pay them enough, and she's going to have to pay off her debt through endless sex. And so these people get put in really dangerous situations, and I think that our government is only encouraging people to be in those dangerous situations, the more that we see Border Patrol helping these people in. I don't think Border Patrol wants to, but at the end of the day, they have to do, they have to take orders. Ivory, how can people follow your work on this and uh, other subjects that you're working on right now? Um, all my videos covering the border are on my YouTube. Search Ivory Hecker on YouTube. And then uh, everything that everything that is just too real for YouTube is on my <laughs> uncensored website, which is ivoryhecker.com. You're doing great work. I've been uh, monitoring it since you went on in your own. Keep it up. All right. Take care. Good to see you, Steve. Thanks. You bet. Take care. So hearing, I don't, I don't know for those of us that have covered this story in depth, we heard anything from her that we didn't already know or suspect, but to hear it quantified firsthand Almost like there's, you know, drills of, you know, hey, the first group's across, the next group swim in. You know what I'm trying to, I mean, just like systemic planning, the part particularly at the end, the amount of people this is dangled as some kind of a life-saving event and it ended up getting sold into, into, you know, human trafficking or sex slavery. Any thoughts on what she had to say there? Are suburban wine moms running the Border Patrol now? Is, is that what's going on here? No, they're voting for the people, though, that are mm-hmm. running the Border Patrol, because it's pro-life, of course, to, in, to entice migrant women to come and end up being uh, sex trafficked. Yes, this that's is why pro-life. I, yeah. that under, the underwater statistics we discussed earlier in the show, it, me, it means something for the next election. But honestly, again, the Democrats don't care. It is worth it for the time they do have it and the short memory span of everybody. Look how much they get accomplished. And listen, I know accomplished sounds like a a, a good thing, but no, no. They get a lot of really bad stuff done all the time. This is what they want. They're winning. We're losing. (sighs) The losing is going to continue, I'm afraid, with Theology Thursday. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. But we we need to finish this. We, We need to learn... Or we won't learn nothing, okay? Like double negatives or bad English. Hour two is next.
back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd and Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. If you are a podcast listener, please let us know that uh, you enjoy us by leaving us a five-star review. Hit the subscribe or follow button. We appreciate all of you that have done that for us already. Thank you. It's been literally thousands, so thank you. You can also email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook with Steve Dace for now, uh, as well as on uh, MeWe Parlor and Gab. Follow me on Twitter and Getter for now and Twitter at Steve Dace Show and get clips of the show free to watch and free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Here in the month of March, Theology Thursday is brought to you by the Inspire 22 conference that you can watch for free online that includes yours truly. Uh, you can go watch it and register right now for free at inspireforhealth.com. Register now. You can watch it for free coming up here uh, April 2nd and 3rd at inspireforhealth.com. A biblical approach and worldview application to our physical health. What does it mean uh, from a preventative health and maintenance standpoint? What's it mean to treat your body like the temple that God gave you? We get into those topics. Uh, our friend Dr. Ryan Cole is one of the headliners of this. So you don't want to miss it. You can register right now uh, at inspireforhealth.com. Again, that's inspiredforhealth.com. We have an Olympic uh, medalist, all, all kinds of cool people for you to hear from uh, at inspireforhealth.com. Well, let's get to that Theology Thursday. We told you at the start of this year, we're going to do three book studies for Theology Thursday this year, and then we'll see you know, how much time is left in the year and what we do after that. But the purpose of the three books we chose was to purposefully absor- observe and then understand the understand what the spirit of the age is, not just theoretically, not to intellectually know it, but to see how it handles its business, how it does stuff. So this is sort of the theology Thursday this year is more of a reconnaissance, if you will, uh, than a catechism. We've done catechism for theology Thursday for about what the last four or five years. It was probably yeah. time for a little recon now. Enough. We've done the boot camp. We've done some prep. Now it's time to get out there and confront the enemy, right? But we got to know how the enemy, who the enemy is and how it operates so we don't go out there, you know, uh, and face plant. And so that's what we're doing this year. We're doing some recon. And we're starting it with Scott Atlas's book, A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. And this is his in-depth polls, absolutely no punches. In fact, let me put it this way. I don't know that I've ever said this in my career. Scott, if you're listening, I wish you would have pulled a few punches. You have done it. We wondered what, how much, how much truth could you get to where even I was like, lie to me some, or, or even if it's omission, just, just, I'd prefer pretending I didn't know the answer to this, right? Nope. Nope. Uh, Scott's got a few things to get off his chest, and he more than does so in this book. So we've been looking at it as a, we, we started, the, the point of this, as I just said, was to observe the spirit of the age. We got about a third into the book and realized, oh, this is even more. This is a how-to manual. We're, we're, we're simultaneously learning what not to do if we decide to go out there and confront the spirit of the age. We're learning from the Trump White House and the coronavirus uh, task force. Don't do any of these things. Do the exact opposite of all these things. Doesn't mean the opposite will work. We just know doing the same won't. 
Okay. So start with that process of elimination. Don't do what they did. We're on chapter eight, early conflicts with the task force. So who wants to begin with what was the big takeaway you had? And then we will apply a little theology Thursday to it. Well, I think at this point we're pretty um, used to used to um, Dr. Burks's outbursts. Uh, this has happened now, I think, a couple of times. It happened again in this in this um, in this chapter. What has stood out to me again the most, and and I I think there is one chapter named uh, the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. This entire book. Could have been named the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. I, that's that's the vibe that I get every single chapter. There is no reason or rhyme. It's all nonsense for the most part. Except for one or two lone voices. Kind of, uh, this is odd. Kind of talking reason. This is odd. The thing that stood out to me the most is the abject cowardice. People stopping Scott Atlas after he confronts or just share. It's not even a confrontation. It doesn't even have to be a confrontation. He just shares a disagreement, which is hard enough to do any, anyway. He shares a disagreement or two or three in a, a coronavirus task force meeting, and he's getting stopped for the rest of the day. Hey, hey, thanks for doing that. Kind of suspected that about um, fill in the blank, uh, Dr. Burks. Thanks for doing that, Scott. The abject cowardice. Any of these Don't people. Don't use my name, Steve. <laughs> any of these, exactly. Any of these people could have spoken up. Any of them could. What got me the most, though, wasn't Dr. Burks's outburst. That's, that's normal now. It's Mark Meadows. Yeah, he doesn't come off good in this book. Mark Meadows. Eh, don't rock the boat, Scott. When Scott wants to speak up and correct something that the trio, triumvirate of Burks, Redfield, and Fauci say. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. No. No. Just fundamentally full of people who didn't recognize what time it was. Cowardice. You show a little bit of cowardice to the spirit of the age, show just a little bit, it's going to exploit that. It's going to exploit that uh, painfully. And then all of a sudden you're in over your head and the amount of wherewithal, the amount of fortitude that's required after you show a little bit of cowardice, then what is required after that is exponentially more than if you would have just confronted it head on. And God bless Dr. Atlas for doing that multiple times. But my goodness, didn't know what time it was. And I'm not even sure if they did. A lot of the people there in the White House, I'm not even sure if they would have had the stones to do anything about it. Now, here's the thing. In this, in this case, this is not a theoretical discussion about uh, cowardice. And just playing by the usual paint by numbers. They, they did know what time it was regarding Mark Meadows. Just, just don't rock the boat. 
They had it outlined in this chapter. White House chief of staff, by the way, for people that don't recall his role. Outlined in this chapter, a bunch of Republican governors were begging them to know what time it was. They were reminding them, said, this is BS. Why are we hearing all this nonsense uh, from Burks and company about washing our hands and something when we hear from the president when we need to move forward and open up? Get on the same page. They were begging them to do it, and they wouldn't do it. Well, it's not just Meadows, man. I, the the little weasel. He's he's not in the, the book that often, but when he is, it's just so clear that why is this guy? Why'd you let this guy ever marry your daughter? <laughs> It's that, like Jared Kushner Jared existed. Kush- I knew who you were talking about right away. Yeah. It's like Jared Kushner existed to lower T levels. When he, it's like when he walks in a room, erectile dysfunction just instantly occurs. When yes, when Atlas said he he, it was clear that Jared's getting sick of like the data and being shown it, and and, and Scott Atlas is being respectful of what he thought the chain was. I'm showing it to you. I'm working for the president. This is why I was brought on. And Jared Kushner actually says, quote, I'm agnostic on COVID. The issue that is literally ending our way of life, causing a recession, has ended, has has ended the Trump presidency uh, effectively before there's an election, meaning everything they had planned to do that was the vision they had for a first term abruptly was halted on March 16th. Correct. So this has only altered all of their plans all of our lives and it impacted every person that would potentially vote or not vote for them. And the guy who wields the most power in the West wing, other than perhaps the guy in the corner office himself, but on most days, I wonder if that's even debatable. Okay. So at the very least, this, the guy wielding the second most amount of power in the West wing of the friggin' white house says on that issue, I'm agnostic. What does that tell you? Well, that's why it tells me a lot. And that's why we're talking about this within not just a political, but a theology Thursday context. This is way beyond COVID because you this is what you've heard Republicans say about the divisive socialist Jews. Their yep. whole I'm agnostic on that. I'm agnostic yep. on that. You mm-hmm. know, everybody choose. I'm a economically conservative, but morally agnostic. This the other side are cultists on Everything. Can I give you a quick example? Can you hold that thought for just a second? I don't know because um, I may explode. All right. Then you know what? Go. No, no. no I, you go, I'm, you go. I'm making a joke. Okay. Go. I just was looking at something somebody tweeted out and uh, Superman takes part in pride parade waves LGBTQ plus flag on cover of latest action comics and a blue checkmark conservative responds with, Uh, DC Comics doubling down on woke content is mind-boggling. It is if you think that DC, the people running DC Comics, consider themselves to be a business. They do not. So there is no objective framework. You cannot go to the to the spirit that is in that is now inhabiting the leadership of DC Comics. Do you think they are not aware of what their sales figures are? You think they're not aware? You know, I used to say this about the Des Moines Register all the time. Of course, they don't care. Nope. They are either there to run such a heroic figure into the ground to tarnish him, right? That's called agitprop. That's a common Marxist tactic. They're either there purposefully to do it, 
or they think they're actually rehabilitating and 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 fulfilling that character by adding their own zealotry to it. They're zealots. It's a religion. You will not show them sales, sales figures and change their minds. That level of demonic influence has to literally be confronted and uprooted. And that's what you're talking about right now in another context. It just happens to be the White House. Yeah, we're hearing more and more of the swimmers. There's a story just about every day since the national championship, a swimmer coming out, and they basically say, I thought, I thought somebody was going to do something. And listen, it's, it's there's no waiting anymore. You don't get to be agnostic about your place in the world. This is Gandalf's lecture to Frodo. We're, we don't get to choose the time we live in. We just get to do what we do with the time that we have. And right now... We have got to acknowledge we are in nothing short of a civil war. They are cultists. We are suburban wine moms. And if we continue to be that, we deserve to lose. And there's no way that ends up with you still getting to have your nice house in your cul-de-sac and your uh nice job uh if you're the uh uh, white male you're gonna lose all of it we are in the upside down now figure it out for the love of god so let's talk about a lack of courage there are two sources for a lack of courage in the kind of environment we are describing. One is just fear. That that, that you as an individual either lack boldness intrinsically, fundamentally as a person, or you've done the math, or you think you've done the math, and since you don't think there's a high likelihood of any success, you are you've 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 kind of gone you know you know particularly for men we tend to live in fight or flight mode right so you've done the math and you, you and you think that there's no reasonable opportunities for success so what is the point and you just you know like they told um, uh, Leah Thomas to do uh, tuck your penis in right that's the most common variation but there's another kind and and I think this other kind of of cowardice. Or, or other kind of source for cowardice and a lack of courage we need to address right now. Because you can also be very bold and courageous, but dumb. You don't have a plan. You don't truly understand what you're up against. And you just kind of, you're just randomized reacting. But you're doing so against an enemy that has a very well thought out plan, right? So every now and then you might get over on that enemy. But sooner or later, his plan will will, will defeat your instincts, just acting on instincts. This is where worldview comes in. And, and worldview is what gives us the discernment. To know what time it is, to, to, to be sons of Issachar, to know the signs of the times and what to do about them. And what's lacking in this White House, 
I remember when Mark Meadows got that job, I was I was really excited. I hadn't talked to him in a few years, but I've known Mark for, for a long time, long before you guys came to work here, in fact, when he was running for office in North Carolina, trying to get on any shows he could to raise his name ID. We had him on a ton. Sent him a personal note when he got that job of chief of staff because I thought, finally, one of our guys mm-hmm. in there to be a buffer against the Jared Kushner technocratic yep. influence. And instead, dude went from House Freedom Caucus to basically just Jared Kushner's errand boy. Bad company corrupts good character. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. I mean, how many more biblical lines could we quote here that this, what we're talking about right now, applies to? We can't rise above our own worldview. Donald Trump doesn't have that level of discernment at work in his life. And frankly, it's kind of a credit to him. Yeah, he's face-planted a few times in life, but it's kind of a credit to him that he's been as successful and penetrated the, uh, the, the political bubble as much and as successful that he did with really just his own instincts, right? And that's, that's pretty impressive, actually. I mean, that's a rare set of instincts, which is why He took the million dollars that his daddy gave him when he graduated from Wharton School of Business and turned it into billions. And other guys took the money that their daddies gave him after the Wharton School of Business. And we don't know their names now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's 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 made he's made some terrible decisions with his instincts. And those things have been well chronicled in America's tabloids and divorce courts. But over the long arc of his 60 years in the public view, you got to say for a guy that operates only on craven instinct. He's got about as good of a track record as just about anybody in modern American pop culture does. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. But then, to your point, Todd, what happens when the entity that cannot be bargained with shows up? What happens when the entity that cannot be out-clevered, that you th- one of the reasons Trump was so good against the media is he would get... He was shameless. He would shamelessly get to the bottom of the media, like whatever they thought the bottom was. He would go lower. They, they, he beat them at their own game, right? But what happens when, not the bottom Lindsey Graham's trying to get to, but the real bottom? What happens when the real bottom shows up? One of the most interesting movies I saw last fall, and I think I talked about it at the time. I wish I could remember the name. I'll look it up uh, during the break so I can remind me to look it up during the break so I can recommend it. It's a very well done independent horror film. And the the plot of the movie is there's a guy, a young, a, a good looking young guy that wanted to be a priest. And did I mention he's a really good looking young guy and the temptations and stuff that go along with that? And the church was like, eh, we just don't think being a priest and a vow of celibacy is right for you, right? And so he so he, he decides the closest he can get to being a priest is playing one on YouTube. And he, I mean, he wanted to study exorcisms and get on the front lines of spiritual war. He's just, you know, he's a guy that didn't want to tuck his penis in, if you know what I'm trying to say. Okay. So... He still wants to do all of that, uh, but now he can't just do it officially as a part of the church. So he starts a YouTube page 
And he starts, you know, looking at what he studied as a layman and what he's seen in movies and starts conducting exorcisms as like a 30 minute show on YouTube weekly or monthly or whatever. And the thing picks up a huge audience. Now, these things are all staged. <clears throat> that, you know, he's he on some level is acting on a righteous impulse. He had a he sincerely had a desire to confront evil. But it was determined based on his craven instincts. He just he lacked the full qualification of what it was going to take to stand in that kind of gap. So now he's just going to act on his own instincts. You follow me here? Yes. And his instincts are, let's, let's entrepreneur this son of a gun. There's a market for this. Not to mention, I know the language. I studied it. You know, and I've seen the, and I've seen the, so throwing what, throwing what's in the movies, the theatrical flourish, we've got a budget. Not to mention my own knowledge of church teaching on this. And now this is really compelling stuff, man. This is a lot better than the ghost chaser shows that are all in the green light that never find any ghosts, okay, that are on a million channels these days. I mean, this looks like the real stuff. And people are flocking to this. And it's drawn such a huge audience. And it's become so successful. Now, now he's not living righteously himself, but what he's communicating on this channel is a form of righteousness. And it's drawing this huge audience. So one day, they come in to tape an episode that they think is just like any other episode. And the actress that they had hired to be the woman who was possessed got sick, can't show up. And so they need a stand-in because they've got everything set up. They've got all kinds of money into this episode. This is supposed to be, you know, next level. So they decide... Um, his assistant who does all of his pyrotechnics and everything, his girlfriend happens to be on site and she's always wanted to be in one of these and she is an aspiring actress. So they decide to go ahead and let her be a stand-in because they're, you know, they got to go live here on YouTube. And they had, so they decide to throw her in there. Except this time, this time the real thing shows up. This time, the real thing is like, you know, we've been watching you. And you're kind of using your platform. Yeah, I mean, it's all staged and fake, but you're using your platform to preach the supremacy of God in the church. We don't, we don't like that, even if it is staged. We don't like being grist for your mill you're supposed to be grist for ours brother that's the way this thing works so are you sure you're up to the task of a real confrontation are you sure this is what you want are you sure you think you are the man of this hour the man that all these people on this youtube channel think you are are you sure and hell says three little words Let's find out. And I won't tell you any more about the film because it's exceedingly well done if you ever go to watch it. For an independent film, it's very well done. But the setup to it is really what makes it go. And there's a lot of parallels, frankly, to what we're talking about here. What happened is hell was watching all of this. 
and really, I don't think had much to say about Trump's ascendancy. Probably thought, eh, this guy's just taking advantage of these stupid, naive Christians. And then when he gets in the White House, he'll sell him out on everything. That's probably what hell was thinking the whole time. Hell, it's what I was thinking, which is why I didn't vote for him the first time. Then the dude gets into the office. He's like, hey, first month on the job, I want to use my platform on national TV live on the Today Show. Let me tell you about the march to life that's going on across the street this weekend. You guys know anything about that? And I was like, okay, I didn't expect him to do that, right? And Hell's like, hmm. But still, nah, nah, not real. Moves the embassy to Jerusalem. And I'm like, huh. Didn't think we were going to do that. Hell's like, hmm. Still, come on. That's still the art of the deal, guy. Come on. No, no. See where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. Now we got peace treaties with like Israel and Saudi Arabia. And I think what happened here is on March 16th or thereabouts, hell finally decided, you know what? Uh, we, we, this, we have to we can't we got to stop sending the Jim Acostas in to do a real demon's job we got to we got to stop sending Robert Mueller in to do a real demon's job still tracking with me yep and and so All it was well. it was time for no longer Memorex it was time to go live no more tapes no more CDs no more mp3s the actual studio session decided to go live. The real McCoy showed up. And I think, like in this movie, that this White House, starting with the guy at the top and the guy that de facto was at the top, making most of the day-to-day -day decisions from a narrative and a personnel standpoint, and Jared Kushner, was very much a principal, vice principal. If you wanted the major decisions made, you went to the president, but... The vice principal made the day-to-day -day decisions underneath him. You think that's a fair comparison? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's depicted yeah. in this book. And I think the real thing showed up. And they didn't know what to do. It couldn't be bargained with. It couldn't be negotiated. It couldn't be trolled. It, it had to be cast out. It had to be confronted head-on and then cast out. And I don't want to spoil that movie for you, but I will tell you, when we get to the end, he finally figures that out too. He finally figures out, we're going to need the real thing here. Okay. This thing, this is beyond my capabilities. And now I understand why the church thought I wasn't maybe morally qualified. We got to get the real thing has got to be in here. Or this is going to go literally to hell. And they brought the real thing in, in this guy. They brought him in. That's what makes it even worse, by the way. That's what makes it even worse. They brought... Simone Golden. She sat down across the table from the vice president of the United States. They put Scott Atlas on the task force. They brought the real thing in. But in the end, the worldview just lacked the courage at the first sign of real pushback for the real thing. They stepped back. They stepped down. And that's why you never got your Elijah at Mount Carmel moment. 
imagine how how different the story would have been at the first time the prophets of Baal begin doing their rituals. And Elijah's like, well, what if this works? What if I'm proven wrong? And he backed out. Here's what would have happened. You wouldn't know who Elijah is. Would have, you know, would have been a different prophet. But that's essentially what happened here. We could have had a Mount Carmel moment. But they punted. Over and over again. Chapter after chapter. Final thoughts. You know, I'm going to make it a little even tougher to swallow in that all that happened while it was being overseen by the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, and he, in his mind, and Atlas just flat out mocks him for it, kept saying, I brought you in here because iron sharpens iron. <laughs> he literally just, he's just yeah. a Bible quote machine, yeah. man. Yeah, that, that guy. That guy, he's, again, I, I said this I, a month ago, two months ago, there's way too many so-called Christians like Mike Pence. And again, because there are, we get what we deserve. Take care of business. Take care of business in your own circle, in your own community, in your own family, in your own church. And someday, and if enough of us do this, someday soon, we won't be pining for times when people we send to Washington take care of business there. Three non-political questions are next. Guys, remember right around Christmas, I told you uh, the gift I got from my mom, from our friends over at Paint Your Life and how much she loved it. I took uh, the oldest picture I had of uh, me and my mama, um, uh, maybe a chubby little toddler. So that would mean she's about, what, uh, 17, 18 years old. And the thing was very worn. I mean, the picture is obviously over 40 years old. And I gave it over to Paint Your Life. And I, I mean, we were just mesmerized by what their artists were able to do with a with a new rendering of it. And I uh, gave it to my mom for Christmas last year. She loved it so much uh, and has it prominently displayed uh, in her home up there in Michigan. So uh, you can do this with any picture for any special occasion. They do phenomenal work. It's not just good for Christmas, but weddings, anniversaries. If you've got a signature anniversary coming up, a 10th, a 15th, a 25th, a 50th, and there's a memory you want to capture uh, or any occasion, um, the, they do, it's incredible work. And if you want to take advantage of it right now, uh, at, uh, paintyourlife.com, go there right now, uh, and, and see their samples at paintyourlife.com. Uh, and then once you've seen their samples, if you're like, okay, I'm in. All right. Now I'm going to tell you too, this ain't going to cost you like 40 or 50 bucks. It's not inexpensive. Right. So I would, I would urge you to make, to go look uh, this kind of craftsmanship, you're going to get what you pay for, but see it for yourself when you go to paintyourlife.com. And then if you're in, all right, if you want 20% off and free shipping, uh, text the word Steve, my first name to 64,000, 64,000. Text the word Steve to 64,000 and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. That free, that shipping comes in handy. I mean, these are full-size portraits. All right. So celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, to take advantage of that special offer, go to text Steve to 64,000. Text the word Steve to 64,000. All right, time for three non-political questions. 
We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why well, am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-political questions. Can I give my movie title since the audience heard me say I got to give the movie yeah, title? I'm sorry, guys. I didn't know my mic was the hot. title of that movie? It's called The Cleansing Hour. The Cleansing Hour. It is not for the faint of heart, but it is very, very well done. It's called The Cleansing Hour. All right, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Um, let me figure out where I kept these. Oh, yes. It's been so long since I've actually looked at these questions. I'm seeing them for the first time again right now because I came up with them. Earlier this week. Earlier this month. When you do prep, you don't know what to do, right? I know. Yeah, when, it, when like, something is pre-prepped by you, you're like totally thrown this off. This is like Earth 2 yes. uh, right here, yeah. where Aaron actually prepares for the day ahead. Uh, earlier this month, the ball from the last touchdown thrown by Tom Brady was auctioned off for over $500,000. Hmm. And then he came out of retirement a few days later. <laughs> That's a bad beat. That's a bad Bad beat. beat. Yeah, that's an understatement. (laughs) What is, so this is a two-pronged question. What's the biggest waste of money you've ever spent? And then secondly, what's the most you would ever consider spending for any sort of memorabilia? Uh, The biggest waste of money I've ever spent. um, That's a good question, man, because I try to be very frugal. Um... I would say, oh, I can give you the answer, okay? It was when I came out of college, and I don't know if they still do this, but when I was at university, like, you know, they'd have all kinds of people on campus to fill out credit apps, and then you'd get, like, you know, free chips for, uh, you know, to go to, you know, to the pub and, you know, get a free round of beers or something, you know? Well, let's just say I filled out too many of those, okay? And... um it came out of college with, uh, uh, especially as a college dropout with not great credit. And I saw ads for, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I've never admitted it before. I saw an ad for a place called Rent-A-Center. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm working. Yeah. It's 20 bucks a week for the rest of your life. Okay. <laughs> for the rest of your life. It took me like, three years to finally pay the stereo off that I got. I probably paid for, I, I, I mean, that might've been like a 7,000% markup by the time we did all the math on that. Okay. So, uh, a lesson learned from uh, many, many years ago, that would be the worst, uh, waste of money I've ever done. What would I pay for memorabilia? It would depend on what it is. And, you know, I, I could see if it's something that has, either great reinvestment opportunity or emotional memory for me. I can, you know, I'm not rich, you know, I'm not poor, but I'm not rich. Maybe a few thousand dollars if it really, I thought had huge reinvestment opportunities or it was something beyond unique, like, um, you know, 
the the ball that uh, Brian Greasy took uh, for the victory formation at the end of the 98 Rose Bowl, and that's Michigan's only national championship since 1948. Uh, something like that, you know. Uh, the Lions got to the Super Bowl finally, and there's a piece of memorabilia from that, okay? Yeah, or winning the NFC Championship. You know, even if they didn't win it, got beat, you know, blasted by 50 points. It would have to be that kind of a unique event, and I could see paying a few thousand dollars for something like that. Uh, the greatest waste of money uh, I've ever spent was college. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, yeah. And it's not, and I'm not so, I mean, heck, I've got daughters who have dreams. They are going to college, not because I'm making them, uh, but I, I just, I was utterly unfocused and unserious and just kind of uh, walking the earth and not like Kane from Kung Fu, because at least that guy had a purpose. Um, and so, you know, there was just, I ended up, uh, graduating, but honestly, in many respects, uh, I have versions of Steve's story of, you know, that, which is only testimony that you got a degree yeah, yeah. living that way, just how worthless yeah. the experience truly really was. Yes. Uh, so, and you know, there, it's not, there's, it's still, uh, in many places you go, I mean, just a tremendous opportunity to set the stage for the next level and learn lots of, uh, lots of things but that's not how i utilized it and yeah i mean no i don't care how much money i ever have five hundred thousand dollars for that damn football is just ridiculous and actually this guy deserves to have yeah tom brady come out of retirement uh for it but i think steve's in the ballpark if i had uh money a couple thousand to throw around for something truly unique i i, I could see parting with that Good answers. Good answers. I, I'll start with the second question first. I think the most I would pay r- right now, and it would have to be something pretty specific, is maybe like five hundred bucks. I don't. I like sports memorabilia. It's really cool. Can't wait to get my man cave set up and try to arrange some of this stuff in a in a coherent way. Um, but it's I, I don't know. It's tough for me to justify dropping a a, a grand or two on on something i i mean i guess unless it was like really really specific or something like that but uh, i think right now just in general 500 bucks i think the biggest thing that i've ever wasted money on when i lived in minnesota uh, they have cable prime primarily that's the big thing uh up there at least where i lived uh in 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 the twin cities uh i think it was uh xfinity or something like that and i, I decided that uh this was in the very nascent i don't even know if youtube tv existed uh, back then, uh, very nascent stages of streaming, and I decided that I needed cable TV, so I got a standard def- definition cable TV. I'm like, I'm out on my own. I get to have ESPN. It is such a waste of money, especially compared to streaming services now. Such a waste of money. And then I came down here, and I was like, oh, okay, well, DirecTV is a little bit less expensive. I'll get DirecTV. I think I had cable for three months. I think I had DirecTV for three months. And I'm like, there's no way the amount of time I'm watching Cable TV is justifying this much, uh, this much on the bill. So cable and direct TV to me, at least at those, I'm not saying that in general, it's a waste of money, but just for me at that time in my life, a big waste of money. I got to make a quick correction, by the way, Brian Greasy did not before every other Michigan fan in this audience emails me. I just remembered Brian Greasy did not take a knee. There was no victory formation in the 98 Rose Bowl. The clock ran out with Ryan Leaf and Washington State having the ball. So I just, I knew I was going to get emails on that. So I thought I needed to correct it. All right, go ahead. All right, similar question. 
Similar question. Um, that was important. We, yeah, it was. Very important uh, yes. clarification. Uh, what's one thing, so first world problems here. What's one thing you bought that you thought you could skimp on paying, you know, premium for that you quickly found out that you could not, in fact, skimp? A grill. That's, that's a good, a good answer. That's, that's a, a really good answer. good answer. Yeah. That's a really good answer. The, my my hesitation is that there have just been so many things that I've just, uh, so I'm trying to think of what was the last one. One of the biggest like non-moral like life lessons, like just learning how to live. Most of the time, most of the time, you get what you pay for. Yeah. That's that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned as an adult. I'll go, I'll go with um, um, auto service. It's a good one. Too. That a lot of times we look when we go to buy a car, we we try to get the best deal we can get, either if we're going to pay for it up front or finance it. But we forget that once we walk out of there, for the remainder life of that car, you're going to be in, um, you're going to be in consistent contact with the service department, and if the service department's not any good, uh, and can't deliver, then. Whatever you think you saved on the deal coming out of the finance meeting, okay, or paying cash, um, can quickly go go up in smoke real fast. And you know we've been fortunate over the years because I'm not a car repair guy at all. And a buddy of mine uh, named Larry, if he's listening, um, we have we have bought every car over the last twenty years. Every car we bought was either at the car place at the car dealership that Larry was the service manager at, or it was a brand of car that aligns with the dealership that Larry is at so that we could take our service there. So that's something that I would urge, particularly if you're younger, you're thinking about getting your new car, uh, your first car, young family with your first car, make sure you vet the service department of that dealership because you're going to, you're going to continually be dealing with them. And it's a bit of a hassle, frankly. You know, the dealership here we use is Granger Motors. It's a hassle to drive out there. And part of getting access to their great service is every oil change, every preventative maintenance thing. I have to drive out there. And I always complain that it's going to take an hour or two that it shouldn't take, you know, between the drive there and the drive back. But let me tell you, on the back end of that, when something seriously goes wrong, we more than make up the money for it. So definitely vet the service department. Before we get to question number three, uh, you know, when you got things going on, like what's happening right now in Europe, uh, those things are easy targets for scammers and identity thieves, which makes American homeowners easy targets because a lot of our deeds for our homes are kept online. So if they can't steal your identity because you've got identity theft or a lot of credit card companies these days do a lot of good job or a lot do a very good job in keeping up with uh, fraud uh, potential and actual. But what can't help you, either one of those or your mortgage lender for that matter or your homeowner's insurance is when someone goes online Find your home's title, makes it look like you've signed it over to them, and now they possessed the title and the equity and the value of that home. It's called home title fraud. Don't let it happen to you. And one way to make sure you don't is by going with our friends over at Home Title Lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that they will mobilize at any detection whatsoever at an attempt to tamper with it. And you can go and learn more and find out if your home's maybe already been tampered with and you don't even know when you go to hometitlelock.com. Again, head over to HomeTitleLock.com. 
Todd, you need to expand on your grill answer. Is there any story there, or you just no? It's been I, burned figuratively, figuratively speaking. You know, by and I didn't even learn grills. a lesson. Like I, I just, I bought one, and it last, it got. I didn't particularly take great care of it, but it, I mean, it, it ended way before its time. So now I, I just pretty much bought the exact same one and I take a little bit better care of it in terms of the elements and where I put it it in winter and stuff like that. But still I've, I didn't learn the right lesson. (laughs) Um, for me, it's a single apply toilet paper. I didn't even do this. I didn't even do this on purpose. I, I just I went you. to Costco and it's what they had. Oh, smarter than the ever bigger. Got it home and I was like, oh crap, this is single ply. Well, this will be fine. No, it's not. It's not fine. I'm not even saying you need to get quintuple ply with lotion infused and lavender scented. Um, that'll back you up know, your septic. That'll back up your septic. Yeah. Get double ply. Never get single ply. Unless you own a hotel. Little, if you're getting single ply, you might as well just go full North Korea and just grab some bark off your trees or in your sandpaper. yard. sandpaper. Yes. Sandpaper would be an upgrade. Never single ply. Final question. Is that a line really in the movie random. Tropic Thunder? Never go full single ply? <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, this is a random question. I heard this story this week, and I, I thought, Steve, you would get a kick out of this. Uh, Urban Meyer apparently didn't know who Aaron Donald was and some other stars in the National Football League. Do you buy that on any level? When he, no. Urban Meyer, former Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I don't. I, I don't buy that on any level. No. I think to me, this is just sports media. Hey, it's March. I, I think that Urban Meyer has made himself by his own actions an easy target. And and um, it's an excellent opportunity to, to therefore continue to dunk on him and earn clicks and headlines Guys, this guy has been. He, he, this guy used to be on the NFL Network's coverage of the NFL draft as a coach. Um, I mean, he was there at the draft with players. Um, he talked to NFL teams and scouts every year about his own players. The idea that he was that disassociated from the NFL, I just, I don't, I don't buy that at all. There's plenty of other things you can legitimately criticize Urban Meyer for. We don't have to make stuff up. Agreed. Yeah, he's not stupid. You know what? I think I think he should have just stayed on Fox Big Noon pregame show. Yeah. I thought he was great on that. He was great. He had somewhat rehabilitated his image yep. after what happened with uh, uh, Zach Woods' nuts. Okay? Yeah. Uh, but uh, he had somewhat rehabilitated his image. And... Now I don't I don't know what he does because he's just he's too toxic to be some, hired anywhere. He's working for some agency that helps connect players, college players, with NIL opportunities. Okay, so he's basically a recruiting booster for Ohio yeah. State. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean that, yeah, that's what he is. Yep. Okay. I mean, not like the Ohio State needs much more help in recruiting. That, that's that's actually more them doing him a solid. Because they don't need any help in recruiting. Trust me, I'm a Michigan fan. I'm well aware. (laughs) They don't need any help. They got that one down. Okay. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, uh, after Glenn Beck right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.